Welcome, guys, to a new episode of the Analytics for You podcast. This is a space to talk about technology, digital solutions, and analytics in the haircut field. My name is Mariel Montero. I am here with Ruben. How are you doing, Ruben? I'm doing very well, and I'm very excited because we have a really cool guest today. Yes. How are you doing, Mariel? <laughs> And I I feel very good, and today we have a special guest, Jorge Ortiz, our this IT support. Welcome, Jorge. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm very excited to be here and and to participate with uh, all of you. Good to have you, Jorge. Thank you. Yes, as we know, you are a writer. Our special question for today is: What is your favorite? book so that's... tough question yeah everyone said it right, know, right? that's a tough one <laughs> but um but i would say honestly uh it's aragon um one of the first books that i've that i ever finished uh and it, it it's mostly because I, i i love fantasy fantasy is my thing um and aragon has a a very different type of of feeling to something like lord of the rings or something like uh something like star wars too um where it's this really it's this story about these really powerful creatures or these really powerful beings that are uh fighting this evil whereas aragon is more like just your average uh run-of-the-mill farmer boy who suddenly gets all this uh all this power through a dragon and becoming a dragon rider and, and how he deals with that, how, how a regular person would actually deal with that. Uh, and I, I, I prefer the book uh, uh, over, I prefer that book over a lot of uh, other ones because also they, they switch a lot between Aragon's point of view and then uh, his cousins, uh, Ro Rohan was, his, I, I think it was Ron, but, um, but yeah, it switches between those two uh, perspectives a lot. And, It's an inter interesting perspective to see it from the side of Rohan, which is a soldier, and the side of uh, of the farmer, uh, who just so happens to become this amazing dragon rider. Wow, that's very cool. I honestly do not yes. know. I said, is Aragorn? That it's a completely different thing from Lord of the Rings, right? I mean, it's not the same character, right? Yeah, no, no. Um, Aragon right. is it, a similar fantasy with like dragons and and uh, you know uh, orcs and stuff like that, but it's not. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, Lord of the Rings itself. Oh, it sounds it sounds interesting. It sounds fun. Uh, Mariel mentioned it as if everybody knew, but not everybody really knows that Jorge is a writer. And um, I know you have at least one book well, besides the one that I've seen at the office. Do you have any other books that you've written, Jorge? Uh, yes, I I'm a I, I like writing short stories. I, I really like. <laughs> I, I have a very short attention span, so uh, writing a long story for me is a hard it's a hard process. Even though I do like it, I do have uh, stories in my brain which are humongous. Um, but I've written Blue is my uh, my basically my magnum opus. I, I, I call it my Harry Potter, mm -hmm. which is the uh, the the love of my life. Uh, it's the one I I I loved uh, writing. I was uh, through the people who who read the book, they they can notice and they have noticed that. Uh, I was not in the best headspace at that moment. Uh, so it's a story about struggle. It's a story about um, 
the uh, depression and and um, and some very hard, very hard hitting, very uh, solid themes that uh, it it it's basically uh, I wouldn't say horror story because it's not horror, but it's it's definitely suspense. I, I try to make it a suspense book, um, but then I also have a a short story collection that I that I did. Uh, which I made it like a a little magazine type thing. Um, didn't print out. I just printed out one copy, and uh, I, I gave that copy to a friend of mine uh, who really wants to read it. Uh, but I do have all my books like online and everything. So, um, but I also have that collection, which has about fifth. No, 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 about ten stories. Uh, then I have. I also wrote. Uh, War Torn, which was my first book ever, which is a just a young adult novel about uh, your regular young adult novel things. Uh, a group of teenagers are taking on an evil organization uh, around the world. You know, love it. <laughs> yeah, that's so, very normal so, teenage. Yeah, teenage. Yeah, right. right. And, and I wrote it. I wrote it when I was like sixteen, seventeen. So it it, it was exactly during those times. It, it's yeah. to me. I I it, it's kind of a um. Uh, embarrassing to me when people read it sometimes because you know i was 16 i yeah. you, you read a lot of stuff that's like really dude and it's like yeah yeah mm-hmm. when, when you, I was have, 16, your, when you like, have your imagination really running wild so it's, yeah yeah, yeah. It's a, but but most people don't get to share it and yours is not only shared but uh, permanently etched in history so uh yeah that's great that's great so then obviously jorge knows what he talks about when he when he talks about particular books but um, I like, before I answer the question that Mariel uh, brought up and give you my books, I um, I think it's such a great um, mixture to have persons, people that have that creative flair inside of the IT industry. Um, most of the times, IT can be boring and and very objective and very direct. Yeah, and to the point. And when you when you bring some creativity into it, uh, it really expands your mind, and and it can lead to some pretty outstanding things. Uh, every every innovation that's come out in the technology world really really uh, needs to have that mixture of of uh, engineering and art. And you can't have art without without being a creative person. So uh, that's why I'm attracted to people like. Like Jorge, I always feel blessed when when we have people like you around. So, uh, thank you, Jorge, for for you know bringing the, those perspectives to a lot of things that we do in the in the IT world. From my I'm standpoint, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh no, 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 you go ahead. Uh, no, no. So, so it, and I completely agree with uh, what you're saying yeah. about the creative uh, the creative side of IT that not a lot of people look at uh, because, like you said, innovation comes with creativity and doing the same thing just because you know it works is fine but maybe you want you want to break that process maybe you want to try something different yeah. and that's where really things happen yep and it's it's something that um it's it's often overlooked but my my perception of of uh, creativity and and the engineering or the or the technological side of IT is that in the, under the right circumstances, you can teach a creative person almost everything, if not everything, about IT. But even under the right circumstances, you cannot teach an IT person to be creative. Uh, you know, to the extent that they become a creative person by nature. And and I've always found that very intriguing. 
uh, because you have to have that person from scratch already have that creative mindset and have that that creative approach. Uh, whereas if you, if they're just an engineering person, they don't tend to they don't tend to make you know crossover very well. So, like like I said, I'm always attracted to people that have the creative force, and then um, either they already know some IT or you can come in and teach them. It's a it's a great great uh, uh, it's a great mixture uh, of qualities, and and it's not often available. So, for sure. So uh, as I was. Uh, as a, 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 going back to the question that that Mariel asked, uh, I'm I'm definitely into all sorts of sci-fi and things like that as well, and and a lot of other uh, really cool uh, things. I, I I highly enjoy a lot of the, and I remember very much all my all my uh, teenagehood books that I read uh, through the years, and and I read a lot of the the comics as well, the Garfields of this world, and the Mafaldas in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, so I was I've been an avid reader through through all my lifetime, uh, but in the last few years, uh, probably the last decade or so, I've, I've gravitated towards although what a lot of people refer to as self help, but I always just call them self improvement uh, books, and I've I've kind of narrowed it down to to my four favorite books, and I call them my bibles in the sense that uh, they help me a lot in in business and they help me really a lot in life as well. Uh, my and and I'm in no particular order. I'm going to mention them because I, I have a hard time picking a, a favorite one. But uh, one is the Little Red Book of Selling by Jeffrey Gittimer. It's just it's an amazing little book. Uh, even, even the title says that it's little, but it's got so much insight. And even though it is about selling, because he is a sales master, uh, it's not about selling only a product or a service in a company. Uh, if you read between the lines. Uh, you'll see that it's about you know yourself, about you being a good salesperson of yourself and of your life. Uh, the other one is the one percent solution. I forget the name of the author. I'm sorry, but uh, I'll, by the way, we'll put in the link to uh, Jorge's books and and these books in in the behind the scenes that we publish, uh, so the audience can can get to them. But uh, the one percent solution is also an incredible, and it's also a nice short. Uh, book I want to say it's not even 100 pages maybe a couple maybe 150 pages or something like that and uh, as the title suggests it's really about looking at how you can improve things only one percent and if you improve something by only one percent you'd be amazed at how at the results that you get uh, from there because most things in life are actually decided by by the difference of one percent or less um, and one of the one of the great examples of that is, and it makes it easy for everybody to visualize. But uh, the hundred meter races are, are always decided by much less than one percent, and, and yet it's you know you winning that race declares you the fastest man in the world, and you know coming in second uh, is not you know you're the second fastest yeah. man in the world. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what a one percent solution an approach can can do for you. And, of, and the third one is uh, the seven habits of highly effective people, which is, of course, uh, that's a worldwide phenomenon type of book that's been translated in every single language in, in, the, in the globe. And, and many, many different versions of it have come out, including things for teenagers and, and kids and things like that. So it's become a, a franchise of a book. But uh, the reality is that those habits are, are really powerful. 
Uh, and if you read them and if you follow them, you're pretty much almost in 99% guaranteed success. And so it's, I actually go back and reread these books at least once every couple of years. And uh, I've, I've seen how, how, and I, I don't, I don't even have many notes from them. I just, I just read them and I, I absorb them. And I tend to do a lot of the things that uh, are in those books just because I've, I've, they've become such a part of what I was educated in both in college and in, in masters. Uh, even though they were, I, nobody ever taught me the books. I've actually found them myself and I've read them myself. The last one, which is a little bit tougher of a read because it's actually written by a PhD um, researcher, uh, but it's also a great book. It's good to great. And uh, that was Jim Collins, if I recall correctly. And uh, that one talks about how some companies made the jump from good, good to great. And uh, it was, it's, a, it's unfortunately subject to time because I think it was done in the early nineties, if I remember correctly. And some of the companies that were profiled actually like Motorola have really, you know, not become, not stayed great. Uh, but he did follow up, follow up books where he explains why, you know, you were, uh, you didn't, you, you were great, but, uh, you know, you don't stay that way. So he's got a built to last and some other books that, that kind of explain why those things happen. But uh, those are really insightful books. And it really, you know, again, they, they show you a lot about how organizations work and how some people uh, are, can be successful in, inside of the organizations or be the leaders of, of successful organizations. So, yeah, not not quite as uh, as interesting as Aragon, but uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely, you know, things that, that are important, that have become very important to me. Mariel, how about you? <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, Ruben. You are a avid reader. Yeah. For me, my favorite book of all time is House House of Spirits from oh, Isabel Allende. Yes, very It's good. a fantastic story told in so much detail that yeah. it seems real, and I feel like I can relate to the characters. And it gives me the opportunity to create new stories in my head. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's where they all start. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Imagination is the greatest thing. I mean, it, yes. it really drives us. And it's yeah, yeah. it's amazing how it works. You, you were even mentioning earlier, Jorge, about, you know, some of the books you wrote and you weren't probably in, in the best mental state, but the, the that's exactly what the imagination does. You know, it kind of, it kind of helps you, you know, deal with a lot of those things and, just it's like you're saying, Mariela, you get ideas, you get new stories in your head. And um, it's it's incredible how the human mind needs that. Uh, and it's it's been proven through, you know, forever, through history. Yes. I mean, yes. the cavemen were drawing things on, on you know, on caves. So uh, the human mind needs to have that imagination always flowing and those stories. Yes. Yeah, and, and and I find it I find that it's a it's a catharsis of course of sorts. It's like when you when you write down all these ideas that you have, even if they're not like they, they yeah. don't have to be good ideas, they don't have to be uh, logical ideas or anything. Just when you write down these ideas and you realize like, oh my god, this was in my brain. This was like like it, it helps you just unload. It helps you unload in um, in a lot of aspects. Yeah, and, and on top of that, which is a great you know every everything you said is is really good point. And on top of that, when you foment that in others, it's so satisfying. So yeah. you being creative, you have an imagination, but also, you know, going to a kid or going to a, 
to a teenager or even a grandparent, you know, and have and having a chat and and, and doing things that foment, uh, and you know, and sponsor that that those flights of, uh, of of imagination. Oh, it's so cool. That's why we enjoy going to places like Disney World and Universal and everything. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, we love it because it takes us to different worlds and. And we, uh, you know, we let our minds just go free. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yes, but let's get into it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jorge, please tell us about yourself and how you discover your passion for technology. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to start with my passion for technology and where it comes from, because it does talk a little bit about myself from there. Um, I started, I the, the first... Uh, thing I remember about technology uh, was one day my my grandfather. He was a tinker. My grandfather, um, from my mother's side, his name was Zaid. Uh, he was a tinker. He always had like computers everywhere. This was during the times where IBM was, you know, the the pinnacle of everything uh, before Apple, before all these things. Um, and he sat me in front of an IBM machine. And I saw this black screen and just this like this little flickering uh, green uh, light. And he said, like, OK, so let's teach you how to use a computer. And uh, obviously, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just touching random buttons. Um, but it, it, it sparked something in me. It sparked a, a sort of something that I, I, I didn't know even existed, a sort of a, a, a love for for something I don't even know how to explain it, but basically a, a love for technology that uh, I knew I never knew how far I was going to take it or how far it was going to take me. Uh, and then uh, I, I do say it talks a little bit about myself because uh, a lot of my a lot of my uh, my love for technology and love for a lot of things I, I, I have in life right now come from my grandfather uh, because we were very close. Uh, we used to share so many things. He he was also a writer. He uh, he used to work. Uh, he was one of the first, if not the first instructor uh, in in Puerto Rico for the IBM machines uh, back in the day. Uh, like he 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 was one of the technological magnuses of his time. Um, but a lot of it comes from there. A lot of it comes from um, his ideas of of always showing me not to take the easier route uh, in in anything, because in technology, one of the uh, one of the things that a lot of people uh, like to do is go the easy way. You know, uh, obviously, if something works, why fix it? Um, but he taught me if something works, maybe it can work better. Uh, and from there, I, I basically took a lot of ideas and uh i used to my my mom used to hate uh buying me toys because i used to break them apart i i used to break every toy that i had uh i tore them apart i i i and my my excuse or my 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 reason not excuse my my reason was always uh because i wanted to see what was inside that, that was always my reason uh it's like oh my my mom would you know why did you do that I, like, I, I just wanted to see what was inside of course i never knew how to put things back together that came later but but it was it was definitely that's where my love for all of this started uh for my passion for technology started that's so cool and that's usually how it starts you know you have somebody and that's kind of what i was saying earlier you know where you if you take uh somebody else and you put them in the right structure you or you do the right exercises or have the right conversations with them and and get them into their creative sides and and to tap into their imagination things like that 
uh, will happen. And then, of course, your your grandfather obviously sounds to be uh, looks to be like a very smart man. Was a very smart man because he, as you as you said, he said, "How you know? It, it's not that it just works well. Maybe we can make it work even better." Uh, yeah, and that's a perspective that that it has a real challenge inside of it, and, and sometimes you don't get it. Sometimes most people, you know, will hear that and they're like, "Eh, whatever. I will let I'll let somebody else figure out how to make it better." Uh, but when you internalize it as your grandfather telling you that, and then you say, "Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that same approach. You know, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna accept that challenge." Then of course it takes you to to some great places. So uh, that's really cool. Okay. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Ruing. And, mm-hmm. um, and he, he actually, my grandfather honestly reminds me a lot or reminded me, uh, a lot of, of, of people like you and people like, mm-hmm. um, people who are much more inquisitive, uh, much more look much deeper into things than just the base level. Uh, you know, the, my, my grandfather was also a lover of, uh, self-improvement books. He never called them self-help books either because he never, he never believed that they, that you were helping yourself, you were improving, you were always improving. That was always, that was always where you were going. Um, and he, he always said that, you know, the day that you don't improve is the day that you're dead. So that's right. So like, that's right. he, he, he used to, so that, that's why there's like, and, and I don't know if you noticed, but there, there was always, uh, since I came in, there was always this comfort that I had with you, but it was because yeah. of that reason, because, because it reminded me of that type of person. It reminded me like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I know, where the mindset is you know i definitely noticed and and, and it's vice versa so i hope you noticed it too i, I feel very comfortable <laughs> with you, you and, and your approach to things uh there now i can see why uh your your grandfather really had a lot of input into that we have a saying in in the office i, I don't know if you've actually heard it yet but uh it's probably in one of those stickers that emily and i put uh, around the office in puerto rico and it says you stop being good when you stop getting better and and that's Exactly. That goes into that improvement, you know, process instead of helping process. You have to always, always uh, look at, you know, what can you do better today than, than you did yesterday? And that's why the 1% solution is, is are things that are attractive to me because I don't need to be 10% better today. I mean, if I want to lose, if I weigh 100 pounds and I want to lose 10 pounds, go down to 90, I can't, I'm not going to lose them overnight. And in fact, if I lose 10 pounds overnight, I'm very likely to regain them and probably even shoot back up, you know, by by five and and end up at 105 instead of 90 where I want it to be. Whereas if I go to 99 and then 98 and then 97 and I do it in a healthy and measured way, I'm more likely to get the result that I want and and the success that I want to approach. So that's it's all tied together. It's all tied together. I'm glad you you feel uh, that way about me because I that's exactly what I want to see from everybody. I, and by the way, in the process of doing that, we make a lot of mistakes, right? Yeah, and we have to embrace sure. those. Yeah, we have to embrace those mistakes. Uh, I remember early on, you, you told me something about, I think you lost the, uh, the credit card. Key? No, credit card. That's right. The <laughs> first week I was here. Exactly. So you see how, I mean, I, I thought it was a key. So I, or I remember it as a key. So obviously it wasn't, it was very important. It was actually ex- extremely important to you yeah. at the moment. And you felt very guilty about it and, and you know, very embarrassed. Uh, and for me, it's like, well, it's just another mistake. And we, we're going to make mistakes. Uh, if If anybody expects us not to, then... You know they're they're uh, they're confused because that's not yeah. the way that life works. And of course, some mistakes are are worse than others, and we definitely don't want to have those happen uh, if we can if we can avoid it. But uh, but once once the mistake has been done, what can you do? 
I mean, just do your best to fix it, do your best to learn from it, and you know, move on to the next thing. Because at the end of the day, as you can see, I, I didn't even remember that it was a credit card. To me, it was a key. So <laughs> yeah. it, it obviously, it, it I'm, at that time, it could have been huge. But as as time goes on, it doesn't mean much. It just means that you know we learn from something and, and we move forward. So. Maria, we've we've taken a long time with your questions today. So. <laughs> <laughs> They've been great. They've been good questions, hey. yeah. yeah. Ruben, do you have a moment in your life when you discover your passion for technology? Ah, that's good. I, mean, I, I didn't want to throw it in there and, and take Jorge's thunder, <laughs> but yes, I did. And it's very similar, actually, to what Jorge was saying. I uh, My dad one day came home with a Commodore 64, and uh, that also was just like you said, you just turn the screen on and then just a little prompt, green prompt would, would turn on. And from there, you had to figure everything else out. And uh, at first, I had no clue how to use it. And funny enough, instead of putting it in my room, which I actually had space for and everything, he put it in his room. And uh, and that meant that, you know, at two or three or four in the morning, they were sleeping and I was playing in the computer, figuring things out. <laughs> uh so you know I, I always remember that as a as a I think I was I was definitely under 12 so I was I want to say probably like eight so I must have been like 1980 or 81 something like that and I'd have to go in the internet and find out because maybe I'm I'm misremembering when the actual Commodore 64 came out but um but I do remember exactly where it was and what you know we were living in a, in, our, in the first house that I knew and so uh, just playing, playing with that computer, figuring things out and, and then playing a specific game, a game that was called Load Runner uh, and just figuring out that game and, and getting up stage after stage after stage made me, made me really get into technology a lot. I, uh, I did not break the Commodore 64, uh, even though I did exactly what you were saying. Okay, I would, every single thing that I had, uh, I would break, break down apart. into yeah, break it apart into pieces and try to figure out how they worked. Uh, but that was precious. The Commodore 64, I did not want to break down because I I wasn't sure that I could you know that I could get it back together and yeah. working. And then eventually it did break down by itself. Who knows what you know humidity or maybe a power surge or something and it broke down. Uh, by that time I had moved on a little bit from it. I did. I probably was now into Ataris and things like that, but. Um, but I still, when it broke down, you know, I, I, I did try to then fix it and, and make it work. And I, I was unsuccessful uh, about it, but it, it then opened, you know, then I opened the, I, when I opened it up, I saw the, all the hardware and everything inside of a computer and things like that. So that's where it started. That's where it started. And it never, it never really waned from there. So I've always been in, in techno, into technology and, uh, loved it, you know, from, from that moment on. So. It it and it sounds like it's it's really awesome. How I I usually uh, hear the same perspective from everybody who's a tech geek. You know, huh? we we all come from more or less the same the same tree. You know, huh? uh, somebody sat us down. Somebody said like, "Yo, play around," and then we just went like, hey, "I want to play around," and we started figuring things out. And then things you know uh, happen. And if anything happens, you just try to figure it out. Hey, what happened? So let me see what happened. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Yeah. Yep. And and we all do. We all tend to usually play with very similar games. Uh, I had like uh, the Lego. You know, everybody use, tends to use the techie guys tend to use Legos because they can build stuff. Yeah. Or back back in the day, we it was a game called Tinker Toys, which was amazing because you had all the all the different pieces that you can build all sorts of stuff. Nowadays, it's the the great thing now is that it's all digital. So now you have all these, uh, and I I'm 
drawing a blank all of a sudden on the on the world but you know you build all these worlds now and and everybody inside of the world builds their own gadgets and their own characters and their own things and that's it's exactly the same thing it's just virtual yeah um, so you know a lot of people complain oh the kids are not doing anything with their hands or you know they're they're always playing video games well they're they're still using their imagination they're still using being very creative um and you know expanding on the skills that they have so it's just done in a way that some people don't identify with it because they don't actually see a tactile thing uh, it's all in that inside of that screen, but it's it's just as good uh, or better, and it's been proven. I mean, by now, it's there's hundreds of psychological studies that say that it's just as good, if not better, as well as the fact that you know the society hasn't gone down the drain. So, if, in fact, we're making more <laughs> the societies are making more money and having better access and more things to do because of these these great tools that we have now. So. Yeah, no, and Minecraft, Minecraft, uh, Minecraft is the perfect example yes, for this. Like. That's it. Minecraft is a world like it, I, yeah. I I got into my I never got into Minecraft because I I I was just never able to like get into really deep into it but it was so huge like and that was part of the problem part of the problem is you go in and what they tell you is well do whatever you want and sometimes it's a, li- a bit overwhelming and it's like oh my god I can do whatever I actually want <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's but but the thing is that it's it's what we had you know, as as we were when we were younger. Now, you know, you're just certainly younger, a lot younger than I am. But it's still a different. Gen- you're still a different generation than what these things are really targeted to. So, yeah, yeah. You know, the kids, kids are the ones that are really seeing that see the potential of this thing. Because, like you said, they open they open that up and they see a blank slate. I'm oh, I can do anything I want. Well, then of course I'm gonna do anything I want. You know, <laughs> and so that's that. We as we get older, that's the sad part. You know, as we get older, we get more finite in the way that we see things and uh and but to them it's not it's just an unlimited potential so wow it's awesome that we are all passionate people it is truly always a pleasure to have a special guest on the podcast Jorge thank you very much for joining us this is a wrap for today I want to thank you too, Jorge. Very much, very very much enjoyed this. Yes. Thank you, thank you, and uh, I'm always I'm always available for you guys for any any reason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Goodbye. See you later. See you guys. Thank you.